0: Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor, and each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around if you are curious about learning more about Peace, the United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peace the Once again, that's peace the podcast.podbean dot com. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, and now on to the Sacred Story reading.
1: Well, John's up here because we're going to chat for a minute about music. And uh, I, as we were wrapping up this series, I thought I really want to take advantage of his history of music, his wealth of experience, and uh, and as as wanting to not be the only voice into this series, I wanted to create space for, for John's voice to, to not just be sung, uh, but to be heard. And so um, we're going to have a, a conversation. And to get this conversation started, um, I just kind of want to know, like, when for you, John, was music something that became more than just kind of what it is for your average person? So... I like music, I like listening to it on the radio and singing when no one's around, but it didn't become a career. When did you recognize that music was gonna be something more?
2: Uh, I had always grown up in a musical family. My dad was a band director, my mom teaches still voice and piano lessons. And we were always on road trips singing with the Beatles or Manhattan Transfer or something. So there was was always a level of just constant music somewhere. But uh, the, the the beginning of it was probably just camp songs and Sunday school songs, um, that they're so easily remember- memorable. I remember taking piano lessons and remembering there was a point where I was getting good when I would practice, but I just really didn't want to practice. So then I moved on to guitar, I uh, moved on to saxophone, then guitar, and um, I was just kind of flailing around with guitar, and I heard Led Zeppelin's Black Dog from Led Zeppelin IV really, really loud at school once, and that was it. That was, that was the moment when I went, oh yeah, this, this, is, this is what I need to hear right now, and this is what I need to somehow emulate. I need to do this. And I, I, I had no idea what that really meant. Um, I didn't even know I was listening to Led Zeppelin at the time.
1: I love it. How many of us in the room have had Led Zeppelin like change our outlook on life or affect us in a meaningful way? Yep. I see a few hands out there. Um, That's really beautiful. And I think that really dovetails nicely into the next question was when did music uh, and your involvement in the church kind of coalesce? And and you mentioned singing camp song, being raised in that environment, but when did it become more of a, a future professional endeavor?
2: I had been a camp counselor, um, and was a song leader there. Uh, I had sung in church choirs for ages and ages, and um, it wasn't until, honestly, um, I just found this in a scrapbook yesterday, um, and I forgot that I was a, I was in the live shows at Valley Fair. That was my first professional gig, uh, still in college, and it was a great summer job. That sustained me for a, a little while, and I realized I needed to continue to do those little kind of gigs. Um, so. I had I had a band in college, and I was in the chapel choir at college at Gustavus, but I wasn't really interested in it. I guess uh, you know, in in choir and in church music, um, and then I I happened to be working at Nordic Track selling fitness machines on the phone, and I was very tired of that job, so I started looking around. I finally found a pastor who was looking for a musician in a church, and her focus was. Uh, modern music, not the contemporary Christian music you may you may think of when you think of modern church music, but she definitely wanted modern music, and I said, like, blues? I'm really big into Stevie Ray Vaughan right now, and she's like, yeah, that'd be great, you know, like, what do you got? So, um, so I, I pretty much had free reign to do whatever I wanted as long as it was in the church. I mean, I had grown up in the church, so I knew what was appropriate, what was inappropriate, uh, and that was really how I got started um, completely by accident, by by stumbling onto this pastor. And what it allowed me to do was learn how to lead a band, learn how to set up the sound system, learn how to write charts, and, and also work within the volunteer's abilities or limitations. Uh, and that was a big one for me was was trying to, you know, fill out a band um, with people who were way less educated than I was, and that was that was a good learning curve for me, uh, but really it was the, the mid-90s, you know, church planting boom that found me a, a place in the church.
1: Well, and it, it sounds like it was more than just a church job that came available, and you were a good fit for it, and here, John, fit into our mold but it sounds like you were able to be creative with the types of music, the types of kind of experimentation almost with different types of music finding their way into the church that maybe hadn't traditionally been in the church and so that creativity was something that was exciting to you. Would, would you agree with my assessment of your life or uh, Yes,
2: absolutely. Thank you for speaking. Uh uh, th- there was a large element of creativity that was available, uh, for example, our first Sunday. Uh, we were playing a black crow 's tune and uh, a, a, a Carlos Santana tune that we 'd rewritten the lyrics for, and something else i can 't remember um, but we we wrote a lot of parodies uh, honestly um, to some famous songs we don 't do that so much we didn 't do that so much later, but what I realized is once we could start writing our own music and we had Musicians bringing their own songs. Uh, it did several things. One, it just gave a big shot in the arm to the creativity of the bands, and they were into it. They cared way more about playing their songs and their friends' songs, uh, and they were way more invested in the ministry. And also, it was just so much more fun and and um, unique to see the community embrace those songs. Also, but but to have. Uh, to have that creative thing be absorbed by all people in the room, um, you know that was that was really tremendous. Our, you know, m- my charge was rock and roll music, and we did a lot of you know happy sing along stuff, some country stuff. We did you know some fall reggae stuff as far as you know Minnesota white people can get. Um, uh, we we had a, one phase of one of the bands. Um, at one point we had four bands that I was leading, and one of them was just into hard rock and they had a vein of songwriting that just went really really fast and really deep in this hard rock metal genre. And they 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 were always there at rehearsal. It was really a great time for that band. Um but and the the creativity that was afforded to me in that in that um in that setting was was quite welcome. I could easily see, uh, you know, a stifling pastor looking over my shoulder, you know, correcting lyrics and such. And that never happened. So I was I was really fortunate in that way.
1: That's really cool. I love that idea of how you have some bands that are just different, that creativity and allowing that expression to come out. I remember working with a student at Bethel and he played acoustic guitar and he had a nice little voice and he would sing these really kind of nice Christian songs. And then I found out he was in a screamo band and I was like, "I could not picture it for the life of me, but when I started talking to him about it, he just came alive in this really cool way, and it was like, "Oh, okay, you found your vein of music that you can really kind of move into and i and i and I think that kind of leads into my next question, which is music in the in the in the church or music and faith go back a long way, almost the history of music could be like a history of the faith or vice versa in a way and so if you don't mind, like why does faith and music have such a connected piece to it, like why are we why are we always singing when we 're doing god's stuff? It, it seems like that's what we normally do, maybe that's just ritual or habit or pattern, but it 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 kind of goes back centuries you know all the way back to old Old Testament times and probably pre uh historic times. so yeah, what are your thoughts on like music and faith and in the church
2: that's a really big question. <laughs> uh i'll give a couple of small answers maybe um uh for me uh, you know singing has always been in the church uh, you know uh, in in the 50 years i've been around it's been you know largely organ or choir uh and now rock band in, and singing, um, we've always encouraged the singing, we always print the lyrics, so you know, hopefully everyone will wanna sing along. And we have hymnals, uh, and it's, it, part of that is, um, and this is kind of what COVID killed, is the the voice, the breath, it's a very human, it's a very um, visceral thing, obviously. Um, being near someone, you can feel the sound waves, you know, uh, or at a rock concert when you can feel the bass coming out of the speakers like that's an intense feeling that's a very body feeling and doing it together is something that is you know people just like doing things together that's that's uh, that's no surprise there um, part of why I chose work in my committee and singing out loud is ties into that is that it's it's a it's a very joyous thing to have a you know a communal experience um, especially when when you're worshiping uh, same with uh, the the summer camp thing. My family went to summer camp this year, and and it's the most impactful thing when everyone's singing these same you know songs around a campfire. It's just it, it, very unexplainable. Uh, also, you know, music has been tied to faith for so long. I mean, the, the church has commissioned music pieces, very famous music pieces. Um, churches have all have, have allowed people like me to practice, get good. Uh, it, within the the, the, the uh, umbrella of the church and and given that creative space to to make music and there's definitely a, uh, you know a level of creativity that comes with that. Uh, I would love to see more visual art be created in the church. Um, Spirit Garage had done something like that a few times where we would have a live painter, you know, painting during worship, and that was I thought just impactful. So the artist is being inspired by what's happening, you know, at worship. But it's you know it's been done since the dawn of time. I mean, people of you know natives in every continent have been you know stretching skins over logs and you know banging drums and making flutes and making noise together as as their way of praising their gods. So it's 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 hard to it's hard for me to really give a a firm answer, but but it's definitely uh, something that is innate in us, I believe.
1: Yeah, I think that that communal part of it, that shared experience part is so important uh, that we don't often get a lot of those shared experiences that bring us out of all the worries, the concerns, and just bring us to a present moment. Um, And then one of the things that I really appreciate about your work is that you don't shy away from the songs that you pick from the hard stuff of life. Whereas I feel like a lot of modern Christian music, especially if you listen to like Christian radio, it's it's so positive and it's so, and I'm not. I listen to that every once in a while, or I have loved ones that do, and and I get it. I get we want to be a positive, but when we look back at the history of the church and music, some of it's pretty honest and raw, uh, and some of it is 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 messy, um, and and I think that's a really healthy thing. And when you talk about being able to write and be creative with music. Um, I know you're gonna to get to this and I'm you're gonna ask you a question about this in a minute, but just that that being able to be honest in what we're singing can be so important for our collective experience together or for that one person out there who that song may be just be perfect for. I have had I've had a number of people here that have have said, Did you tell John what I was going through? Because that song felt like it was just for me today. Um and and I think that's what music has the power to do as well, is it speaks directly to us um in a way that we maybe didn't even weren't even prepared for. Um, so, the Bible, obviously, as this document that has meant something to us for a long time um, and gives us direction. Uh, what what passage or story stands out to you when it comes to kind of a kind of a guiding light for you or or a direction when it, when you think about music and, and your own journey?
2: The um, there's verses uh, talking about the different uh, spiritual gifts. And there's uh, verses talking about the different uh, elements of the kingdom of God, you know, as body parts, um, all being equal. Um, those are those are definitely important to me. Uh, at at Spirit Garage, we had so many people who wanted to make music, and and I'm a people person, and I, I'm always a more the merrier kind of person. But sometimes with musicians, it's hard to say no. Um, when when you don't want them to embarrass themselves on stage, and it was sometimes my job to be the bad guy, uh, but it doesn't serve the band to have someone on stage who just shouldn't be there. Um, so it was oftentimes my job to find out what's well, what's what what are you good at? What 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 can how can you contribute? You know, you want to contribute, so let's let's find out what your passion is for the community, and that was. A large part of what drove our, um, our core values was that everyone has a part in the community, and we, we want you to find your part. Um, and one guy, we have one guy, uh, I keep saying we. I don't work there or go to church there anymore. I need to just say that. Uh, I, I honestly haven't talked about this for a long time, so I guess I'm still mentally there. We, Spirit Garage still has a guy who shows up every Sunday when he's in town, and he sets up everything he sets up all the treats, he sets up all the signs, he sets up all the you know everything and he participates in worship very little. He watches from the side, he's always in the lobby and that is Fred's thing and he's amazing. Um the it, it's it, so putting that all together it's the it's the different pieces of the puzzle is what I like um
1: and how they come together and not one is
2: more important than the rest.
1: And one of those verses that you're referring to is Romans 12, 4 through 8. It's almost like we talked about this beforehand because it just shows up on the screen. Um, but I'll read it for you all uh, because this is one of the verses that John and I emailed about. But it's it's just as bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And this is just one of the verses that John's referring to um, that talks about the body having many parts in all of us um, having a a a contribution to make to to what God is up to in the world um and and I think something that we can do down the road here and I think it's been done at different times, different iterations of the church is to dive into and and discover and and research what is the gift that God has given you what is the talent what is the the thing uh, if you're unaware of what that may be or how it may fit into the church, we want to help you um, understand it better, understand yourself better so that you can um do good work and, and feel really connected to um, yourself and connected to what's going on around here. So, John, music, as we talked about, has been utilized in the church for generation after generation. Can you maybe share for a second about like when you've seen it work really well for a person and maybe when it's not as healthy? Because I think sometimes music can be exactly what we need, and then there are times when maybe it's gone in a direction that isn't the healthiest.
2: I'll use my friend Jonathan Runman as a good example. uh he at eighteen, he went on the road and he got a he got a church gig. He was performing full time, and that was his job. He was a musician and he after a couple of years, he decided I should probably just go to college, so he went to Luther at twenty two and he dropped out within a year because he just realized school was not for him fine, so he he moved on, went back to being a touring musician. I mean, who knew that that was his calling? Uh, and he did it for decades, and now uh, he's gone to school, he's gone to seminary, and he's a pastor. Uh, that was his arc. Uh, so I, what I what I saw in him was he basically built his own opportunities. He was doing all the hustling, all the all the booking, everything, doing his own career. You know, s- managing CDs and inventories and T-shirts and everything. Uh, that was a, he, and he loved it. He loved having the control over his own career, but he loved having the creativity to do a church gig or a bar gig or a whatever kind of show, you know. <clears throat> and so I, I always I always uh I always think of that as a very healthy way to to make music, especially in the church. Um my my own story, um I found that Uh, I definitely needed Spirit Garage and making music in the church to keep my focus on what's important uh, and to stay healthy physically and mentally. Uh, But there was a time when I was ready to leave and I felt like I had done my job at, at the church and I was ready to move on and I wrote out a bunch of notes for the pastor and got to our staff meeting and I said, we have to talk and he says, Us too. I've taken a call at another church. And we were the only two staff members, so I really couldn't leave at that moment. So I stayed on through another pastor, and we hired a new person. And then, of course, COVID hit, and I couldn't really step away then. And uh, so after COVID, we found a new permanent location, and I felt like I could finally step away. Uh, Someone had mentioned beyond burnout to me, and I went, oh, that's what I have. So that was an unhealthy moment. I, I really needed the healthy part to get the church to where it, it, I felt it could stand on its own. And I'm sure it could have stood on its own, you know, had I left any time. But then when I was the only staff member, I really felt like I had to stay. And I and it, it turned into an unhealthy place, you know, evolving over several years, um, where then I had to say, okay, this is now, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I hate phoning it in and so I I have to stop myself from phoning it in and I had to I had to move on. Um so it 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 certainly can be unhealthy. Um uh, also a good friend of mine um was a church sound tech for ages. He did festivals, he did churches, he did everything. And um he said it ruined his marriage because he kept donating his time. He kept giving away his time. He wasn't getting paid for it to and people were taking advantage of that. And so when I at, when he came to Spirit Garage, I said, "Hey, would you be willing to mix for us?" And he said, "No, sorry, no." Nope. I was sort of taken aback. Like, okay, he says, "You have to pay me." Okay, well, this is this could be something you could volunteer your time. He's like, "Nope, sorry, that ruined my first marriage. I won't do it. I'll sweep floors for free. I'll wash dishes. I'll clean toilets. But if you if you want me to mix sound, you have to pay me because that is that's where my professionalism." Lies that's where I make my money that's how I live my life, and I can't donate it. I have to be protective of that and i so i, I respected that and i have I've tried to keep that um in the back of my mind when asking people to do a favor you know or volunteer um having said that um volunteers in the church are crucial i mean we the church could not exist without volunteers you know doing the yard chores that you've got them doing i mean that's those those folks. Deserve the fist in the air, fist in the air for those folks. Come on. Yes. Um, and Spirit Garage had those folks also. Uh, and, and it wasn't until we realized that we were burning out our volunteers doing those certain things that, we, that it became an unhealthy level. So it's not just music that can be that unhealthy thing in the church. Um, so please, volunteer. The church needs you to volunteer. Please understand once you are feeling that burnout, then you need to move on from that volunteer position
1: also. That's really important. I'm glad you said that. I hope everybody absorbed that uh, because it's really, really necessary to hear that. When you think about church, and we're in this kind of an interesting era of the church where the mainline churches have been in decline for a number of years. Even the evangelical churches are seeing decline, Pentecostal churches. Church is in a really weird place in our culture and in our time. And the music kind of reflects that, I think, at some level. And so when you think about music and the future of the church, where do you hope or see it going, or what do you think it should it should do as, as the church is constantly in a state of evolving and becoming the thing it's going to be?
2: Uh, I'll speak from my personal experience again, that once we had the green light and we had energy around writing original music, that was easily the, the thing that kept musicians engaged. Um, it, 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 simply, um, it simply took the let's play music to the let's create music and then let's make a CD and that was the, you know, the next thing. So uh, original music I think is, is so important and it's hard, it, it's hard for uh, a congregation to come to a service or people to go to a show and see all new music you wanna hear the songs you know, right? Like you want to hear the the famous things that that you know Bruce Springsteen wrote, like the ones on the radio that everybody you know, all the hits, right? And we can sing those hits and they make sense, but it's it's um if we only sing the hits, if we only listen to KQRS, then we only hear that certain subset. And granted they're great tunes, but um the the writing of new material is really where the the, the boundaries will get pushed. Uh, for us, writing hard rock, writing metal, writing uh, you know interesting indie rock sort of songs was really important for, for us um, to to be creative, but also to say, hey, look, we have this CD, and it's not just s- some CCM music. You know, there's no three chord songs on this record. You know, they're way more complex, and people hear it and they can obviously, you know, he- hear how. Uh, we walked across the line sometimes when when writing songs. Um, uh, and I'll give you an example. I'm going to play a song called "Autumn is Coming." It's on this CD, and there's a couple of copies back here if you want to take one. Um, but when we when we made this, uh, we made it during Lent, and it's, it's called the 40 Project: 40 days in the desert, 40 days of Lent. Also, I happened to turn 40 that year. That was a complete accident. Sure. Uh But <laughs> These songs are very um, Lent flavored, except there's one Advent song. Uh, and it, and when I he, when I play the first two tracks for people, they're they're immediately surprised at how different it is. It's uh, there, there's some funky songs on there, there's some rockers on there. Um, so that was that was really the the, the the impetus for you know continually creating original music. Um, because it keeps people engaged, and it puts a dent in you know people's ears. People, people then want to share that with others.
1: I think that's really important because one of the things that I noticed, and I, I for I think most of you know, I spent 16 years working in higher ed and Christian campuses. We had chapel either two days a week or three days a week, and then sometimes on Sunday nights, and so I was going to church <laughs> multiple times a day, and, and you know, they would get their, like, 35-song catalog for the year, and so you hear those same songs over and over and over and over, and and a lot of it was emotional because it was a Pentecostal school for 10 years, and so it was, the word conformity was the word that I, I eventually landed on. It was, we were we were often asked to conform our thinking, our, our response, whether we stood up or sat down, whether we raised our hands or not, whether we were supposed to cry at the end of the song or not, whether we were supposed to go to the altar or not. And so much of it was a, a conforming process, which we all have that. I mean, if you go to a U2 concert, you're probably going to do some of the same things that everybody around you is doing because that's what you do at a U2 concert. I mean, it's just there's there is some communal... Uh, conformity that's okay that's part of being human we're collective beings but there's a part that steals like the essence of of who we are or it can steal the authenticity of the moment like, maybe I don't want to raise my hands. Maybe I don't want to stand up. Maybe I don't want to cry. Maybe I don't want to feel what my neighbor is feeling. Maybe my day is actually pretty crappy, and this song isn't going to make me feel better the way it's going to move you tonight. And there's a lack of authenticity that can happen within music, but new music, creative music, music that pulls us out of a genre that we're not like used to, um, it, that has a way of kind of sparking. You know, one of the things I appreciate about Dave is Dave plays hymns, but not how you've ever heard him. Um, and so... Uh, What it does for me as someone who grew up in the church singing a lot of these hymns is it, it makes me think about them again, and I'm actually able to hear the words, not just hear the melody. Because so often I sing the same words over and over again, and the words suddenly lack meaning in my life. They lack transformational power. But when I hear it in a different way, or if I hear a new song, suddenly now I'm having to think, I'm engaged, my whole body's into this, and I'm also having a collective experience and moving with with everyone, breathing the air in the same time, and our hearts are in rhythm. And so so I I love that, that idea of how can we remain creative and moving forward and not just staying uh doing one thing over and over even if it's a good thing like you said kqrs has great songs but there's also great new music being written and so finally with the knowledge that we are in a time of transition you've been so instrumental in this past year of 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 jumping in and being here on sundays um and and helping us navigate this time why what advice would you give all of us? And you've given us a lot of advice about not getting burnt out as a volunteer or finding ways to get involved, using your spiritual gift. But what advice would you give all of us as we are in the midst of a transitional period, knowing that someone else may be taking the lead up here, we'll be taking the lead up here, um, and and what yeah, what advice would you give all of us? <clears throat>
2: The worst things that someone can say are, well, we've never done it that way before. And I appreciate your laughter. uh, Because I hope that next person does it a little differently. Uh, I hope they bring their own thing to it. Um, uh, I'm sure that when I arrived, people were raising their eyebrows when I did it a little differently. And I'm okay with that. I was going to do it anyway, <laughs> but uh, but it is important to note that um, some people love change, like me. I love change. I love when things are, you know, getting different. I get love getting out of a rhythm so I can try something new. But many, many, many others do not like change, and it's. I would like to think with me here, you've been in a somewhat comfortable state of transition, um, but. I would hope that you can prepare for a more of an uncomfortable state of transition, just getting used to a different person on stage. Uh, But also there's going to be different music um, and there's going to be hopefully more musicians playing. And it's, uh, it's all, you know, it's all growing pains. Um, This church has already had several transitions in the last year. So um, again, I feel like you're in a, in a, in a, a, a sort of a comfortable place of transition, but uh, making an official staff member transition is hard. I mean, it's it's just different. There's there's things that you'll need to learn. There's things that you'll need to um, absorb. I guess. Um, uh, I just I, I suggest patience um, and prayer and love. And um, you could ask yourself, you know, do I really love? This church, or do I really love the staff, or do I really love the end result, the teachings and the music? Um, at, at at Spirit Garage, I was quite disappointed when people left the church because the pastor left, and I naively thought that the pastor's personality would transcend what they think about the church and and or did I say that right? Um, I'd hoped that they would have a a higher loyalty to the church rather than the pastor. And that wasn't the case. In both cases, both pastors that departed Spirit Garage. Um, And I I had to come to grips with that. And I've also heard since I've departed Spirit Garage that people have left because I left. And I'm saddened by that. I'd hoped that they would would be more attached to the church than they were me. as a celebrity, as a personality, and I guess I'm okay with them leaving too. Then, if that's that's why they're leaving, um, it's a bummer. But um, please know that the church is bigger than the people who are leading it, and and uh, your dollars and your time can make it into something that you can uh, that you can get behind. Um, I spoke with one woman a long time ago. She was attending two churches. And I thought this was bizarre. She would go to one church for the preaching because the preacher was great. And she would go to a different denomination for the small groups because they did small groups really well, but she didn't like the preacher. And then it, made, then it, then it kicked in like, oh, you're, it's, it's like a church a la carte sort of setting, right? You can take and pick what you like. But she was getting really fed by the small groups. That they did well. That was that was their gift. That was their passion. That's what they put their time into. And this other church, she was getting fed by the preaching. It wasn't the music. It wasn't the setting. It was a it was a huge um, mega church, but she really loved the preacher. So she would she was getting fed by that. And so uh, I, I really appreciated that each church was unique in putting time and energy into their one thing. Um, but you but one church probably can't be everything for everybody. Uh, but when you are a volunteer, you can help make whatever you're a part of be be um, healthy for, for church life.
1: That's really good advice, um, and I think it really sets us up well. I think you've been creative and thoughtful and mindful of who we are, but also, like you said, you're going to do what you do well, and you're going to do it Uh, to the best of your ability and that's been really evident and we've I think all appreciated it because one of the things that we all want to do is be passionate about the things we're involved in because that passion can be inspiring to be around and so whether it's up here playing music or whether it's working in the yard or whether it's serving coffee, when we're bringing our passion to things, that's when this thing becomes more vibrant um, and people gravitate towards it. And so I we really appreciate your encouragement to pray, be patient, to be willing to be people of change in transition, um, but also be people of passion um, and to use our gifts. So John, thank you. For all that you've done, um, this isn't, of course, goodbye, but this is a great uh, time to recognize you and appreciate you um, and to, uh, to celebrate your journey and your career. Um, and the fact that we got to spend some time with you in it uh, is, is really great. So, John, thank you so much. And thanks again, John, for a great conversation today. Thanks for all your leadership. We really do appreciate getting to sing with you. May you go with the creativity of a creative God. May you go knowing that God has gifted you with talents and abilities to put to use for the growing of God's kingdom and for the health of your neighbor. May you seek opportunities to share what God has given you with those around you. May you go in grace. May you go in love. May you go in peace. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace the Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peace the podcast.podbean.com. Again, peace the podcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have. Please.